0: testing one, two, three, testing one, two, three. Hey guys, welcome to storytime podcast. Today we are going to talk about one of the worst things ever to me. We are going to actually be talking about a pediatric nurse. Well, LVN which is a licensed vocational nurse kind of like a tech degree for nursing it takes a lot less time to get the degree but you also get less experience and are only allowed to do so much as an LVN so this is about LVN pediatric LVN Janine Jones who is believed to have killed 60 babies during her very short career as an LVN. Let's get started. First, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning into Storytime Podcast. I love doing this podcast. I put a lot of time and effort into it for you guys. And I just want to thank you so much for choosing to listen to me and my true crime stories. Anyway, you can definitely follow my social media websites where i like to put more pictures and information on there that is story underscore time underscore slayer on instagram and that is story time slayer on facebook also if you're listening on apple Podcasts, please go ahead and leave me a little five star review now it doesn't have to be five stars honesty is always the best policy but whatever you guys will leave me I would love a review and then also feel free to reach out to me at storytimepods at gmail.com that is my email and you're more than welcome to talk to me about the stories that I do story requests stories from your small town stories from your life or just little things that you may want to comment on anyway reach out to me there or on my social media websites let's jump right in Janine Jones was born in the 1950s it's unknown who who her birth parents were but she was actually one of four adopted children so she was the third child to be adopted by a successful and self-made couple Gladys and Richard Jones Richard actually went by Dick but the story behind the successful couple is actually something worth telling see Dick grew up rather poor in a working-class neighborhood of San Antonio Richard's father died really young so him and his mom actually were forced to live with his grandma and dick was super determined to have more than he came from so at first he got into the club business and that was because he was a really good gambler but gambling was illegal in fact gambling still is illegal in texas so he was a bookie and that's where he kind of got into this club scene and began opening clubs and running gambling through them So Janine's mother, Gladys, was actually born in Ohio. She was not born in Texas, and she didn't move to Texas until she was 17. Like Dick, her dad also died young, and she grew up with very little and in less desirable conditions as well like I think that her and her mom actually lived with her grandma and she had siblings though so she didn't even graduate high school because she had to go to work and get a job now she met Dick at a San Antonio club and the couple married in 33 so they kind of did their thing for several years for like four years it wasn't until 37 that Dick got out of the club business and wiped his hands clean of gambling this was per Gladys's prompting smart woman now he opened a bar called the Kit Cat and it was on the outskirts of san antonio it was really successful for a long time like 20 years which is really good for a club so anyways janine was adopted at the height of their success they had a large two-story white home with a red clay brick roof all on eight perfectly manicured and landscaped acres with a pool a tennis court and a great view of downtown san antonio they had it all they went on family vacations they had formal dinners every night their kids attended private catholic schools they were living the dream but in the 60s something really kind of weird happened dick actually stole a safe from his friend charles bramble who was another businessman in town the safe was in Bramble's master bedroom closet, and it contained $1,500 in cash and jewels. Now, their home had also been rummaged through, and there was three pistols missing. When Bramble went home and found it was burglarized, he called the police. Dick said it was just a prank, and that he'd always intended that and that he was going to tell Bramble as like a joke but he actually he got nervous when he saw Bramble's reaction and how Bramble quickly called the police so he ended up dropping it off at a local Catholic church anonymously with all the content still inside of it. That was weird. And then eventually the Kit Kat couldn't keep up with the market anymore and it closed. So the family had to change a few things. They ended up opening an advertisement business called Dick Jones Outdoor Advertising. And then they also like sold off a little bit of their land kept some of it and turned it into like a trailer park where people rented trailers so they did have to do some shuffling which is why it was so questionable on if dick actually stole the safe as a joke or if he just knew he was going to get caught and hurried up and turned it into the church janine's youngest brother travis loved to play in the shop and him and janine were very close because they grew up so close in age Now, the couple adopted four kids. Janine and Travis were the younger two. And they were only two years apart, I think. Yeah, she was only two years older than him. So, one day, Travis was playing in the family shop. And he decided he was going to make a pipe bomb. What? Okay. So, he was 13 or 14 at the time. And a nearby employee actually registered what Travis was doing and immediately told him to stop and it just so happened that when the employees told him to stop so that he didn't blow his arm off the pipe bomb actually went off and sent shards through Travis's head killing him. Travis's death is maybe the first sign of a pathological issue meaning a sign of mental illness of Janine because Although Janine was like destroyed by Travis's untimely and horrific death, she relished in the attention she got. In fact, she went to school after his funeral, the same day. During his funeral, she literally shrieked and collapsed. And then following his funeral, she tried to get as much attention and sympathy as she could from people. Janine was always known to whine and complain to anyone that would listen about how she wasn't loved or cared for. And she would say that they loved her sister Lisa more. And she never really got along with Lisa because of this. Like one Christmas, Lisa got a pair of diamond earrings and Janine got a sewing machine because she was really good at at sewing and other crafts. And even though the sewing machine costs more, Janine was so jealous that Lisa got diamond earrings and she said that they just didn't love her as much. So, Janine was obviously not in reality. She seemed really immature to me. So once lisa moved out janine started to clash with her mother gladys this is a pattern that follows janine her whole life she always had drama and conflict also she was so dramatic and committed to outlandish lies she told that it seems drama and lying was out of her control like she had some sort of deep emotional disorder from a really young age that caused her to always need conflict or drama. I don't know i mean these are just my wild thoughts i'm obviously not a psychologist i'm just a regular girl so after woman i'm a regular woman so after middle school for janine is when i believe dick changed businesses and made the financial adjustments meaning janine was going to have to go to the public high school and no longer private catholic schools the local high school was heavily centered around agriculture. Remember, they lived on the outskirts of San Antonio. So, this is kind of out in the country. It's a country school. And let's get one thing clear Janine did not fit in. Janine didn't really fit in anywhere, ever, though. She had a big honker nose with the hump in it, and she was very plain not very attractive she just wasn't a cute girl her haircuts were never that gray and she didn't stand out in her wardrobe I know that's awful but she also didn't seem to have very attractive body language so she was just kind of ugly awkward and annoying Janine didn't fit in apparently she always wanted to be the center of attention always wanted to be in control and was overly bossy because of this so people hated that about Janine She was very loud and abrasive. People hated how much she complained, okay, especially because her complaints were always attention-seeking ones, plus the lying. Oh my God, she lied all the time. She would claim to have celebrity relatives or completely fabricated stories that everyone could tell were too outlandish to be real she lied so much and in such great detail about everything that it had to be pathological no sane person lies all the time the way janine did janine was just a mediocre person across the board looks personality brain she had no ambition and she would just say she was going to grow up to have a bunch of kids when asked january 1968 dick jones janine's father died of cancer Although Janine said this was a really dark period of her life, within days of burying him, she told her mom that she wanted to get married. Poor Gladys. I mean, she just buried her husband and was trying to figure out the business and their finances when her daughter bombarded her with marrying her high school dropout boyfriend, James Delaney Jr. Gladys said hell no and that Janine needed to at least wait to graduate. I mean, She was probably thinking that Janine would change her mind by then. But I'm sure Janine thrived on the attention. So not only did she have the attention of her father, she also had the attention of the argument with her mom about not getting married. And then the attention of being a bride. Attention was the reason Janine did anything, I think. June 5th, 1968, two weeks after she graduated and only five months after her father passed, Janine married James. James was no prince he was often working on vehicles recreationally and he could not hold down a damn job him and Janine both shared an interest in cars especially fast cars although Gladys disapproved of Janine marrying James she did pay for the wedding pay for the honeymoon and she even let them stay on a cottage on her land for free okay I know it was on her land and everything but that's still really cool Gladys always gave in to what Janine wanted, though. If she didn't immediately, Janine would throw a huge tantrum until she got her way anyway. I wonder if Janine was born this way or if Gladys constantly giving in to Janine kind of cultivated her to be even worse. But the couple had a lot of financial stress and argued all the time, eventually leading to Jimmy joining the Navy. It wasn't long after that that Janine began cheating on him. Remember, she was not very attractive and actually one of the men that she hooked up with said that he felt like he was doing her a favor. So she often told her suitors that she had a really high sex drive that her husband couldn't keep up with. She also went around bragging about her affairs. She would sleep with her friend's husbands and then tell different friends about it. But people also knew Janine to lie, so I don't know if everyone fully bought into it. Although we know she did cheat on James, it is believed that she made up some of the affairs. Lying and exaggerating something Janine did her whole life. Oh my gosh. So James kind of ignored this side of Janine. I'm sure he was having sex with other women while he was gone, but I don't know. That or he didn't really love Janine or he didn't care because he loved her so much. I'm not really sure in 1970 though janine's mom paid for her to go to beauty school to be a beautician so here's a perfect example of how crazy and unpredictable janine could be so while she was in beauty school she changed her name to jojo bleached her brown hair to blonde okay and created this like alias for herself jojo the beautician she did excel at beauty school and she had great customer skills she would make their salon experience as perfect as she possibly could so i'll give her that after she completed beauty school james was stationed in georgia so they moved and worked in georgia unfortunately james did get discharged from the navy But when he did, Janine really didn't care. See, she was finally pregnant. Apparently, they'd been trying to get pregnant for years. It was taking them so long that they even went and saw a doctor to make sure that they both could bear children. The doctor said yes, and it was just a matter of time. The couple still didn't get along, though. They fought all the time, even after baby Richard was born January 1972. That's just four months after he was born, though, that Janine took him home to San Antonio, where she filed for divorce and had James blocked from visiting. However, they did resolve the issue and reconciled, only to break up, reconcile, break up, reconcile, break up, reconcile, all the way until June of 1974. And that's when they finally ended it for good. James paid $25 a week in child support and he had weekly visits for a while, but eventually he just dropped off from doing that and he was totally absentee. A couple months after this, Janine's family received another crushing blow. Her brother, Wiley, a married father of four, died of testicular cancer. He was only 28. So after coming back to San Antonio, Janine got a job at a beauty parlor in the Methodist Hospital which is really weird to me. I've never heard of a beauty parlor in a hospital, but given the times, it sounds kind of nice. While working there, Janine began reading these medical books that were sitting around the hospital, and they were kind of turning her into a hypochondriac. She would take typical symptoms of common things like allergies flus headaches fatigue and come up with like the worst case scenario she didn't just think oh man I hope Richard's earache isn't anything serious she would like go to the doctor claiming she thought baby Richard had a rare disease that caused kids to go deaf she did this to everyone she knew another really weird thing happened while she worked there she met a man named Keith Martin in 1974 now this is the same year that her divorce was finalized But as much as Janine wanted to have a romantic and physical relationship with Keith, he was super gay. Okay, he did not like women. He did not like Janine. But they did develop a very close friendship. He would even sit with her on double dates and she would go with him to gay clubs. Keith Martin said that through their friendship, Janine tried to seduce him many, many times, which is so weird to me. Go look at her picture. She's just not a sexually appetizing woman. So in 1975, Keith actually got really sick with a fever and Janine was taking care of him. When doing so, she actually got him to agree to be engaged. They both had selfish reasons for this. And I think it was because they knew they could get a pretty decent financial gain from Janine's mom, Gladys. Which they did. They told her that they were going to open a salon. I don't think she really cared. She gave him the money. And then in 1975, Janine began developing a really bad skin allergy that scared the shit out of her. She'd become an obvious hypochondriac and was terrified she had cancer or something else. After some appointments and tests, it turned out that the allergic reaction was from a product she was using to do people's hair. She decided that this was going to have to end her career. And in 1976, three things happened because of this. So one, Janine realized that Keith was never going to marry her. And she finally broke it off, the fake engagement, and they went their separate ways. And then two, Janine decided to start a new career path as a vocational nurse. Unlike an RN program, the LVN program was very short, and Gladys was happy to pay for it. She was happy for her daughter to be starting a new career, I think. Lastly, and craziest, was that she found out she was pregnant right when she started the LVN school. So I know what you're thinking. Oh, I thought Keith Martin was gay. No, Keith Martin was very gay. Janine was pregnant with James's baby, her ex husband, who she had a long history of attempted reconciliations with. Pretty much everyone knew Janine was pregnant by him, except for Gladys. Knowing her mom couldn't handle a baby out of wedlock with James, she actually told her mom that she was pregnant with her dead fiance. Remember, Keith Martin, they had a fake engagement. She told everybody that she was including her mom, that she was pregnant with her dead fiancé, Keith Martin's baby. And Keith Martin did not die, you guys, just so you know. He was very much alive. It was just a super elaborate lie. Janine Jones did graduate her LVM program in May of 1977 at the age of 27. And she had her baby girl, Crystal Jones, one month later. She lived with her mom, who was the primary caregiver of Ed and Crystal. Now, nothing's wrong with a single woman living with her mama. Okay, so that was essentially the history of Janine. And let's get into how poor, ugly, annoying, abrasive, bossy Janine Jones became baby killer nurse. So on her first job, she actually worked for the same hospital whose beauty parlor she worked in, but she didn't work here for very long because there was a patient whose leg she told to elevate. She told the woman, elevate your leg. And I don't know if the patient didn't do it fast enough or just didn't do it. Janine marched over to her and like aggressively lifted her leg for her to elevate it. And when... The patient complained about this to her superiors. Janine was told not to talk to the patient anymore, but she ignored these instructions. And the next morning, she got to her shift really early, and she went in there to apologize to the patient. And shortly after Janine spoke to the patient the patient she had chest pains and elevated heart rate her blood pressure was rising and she had a really high nervousness in her body janine was let go of there after only eight months in april of 78 and let me tell you guys she wasted no time getting a new job like by may 15th she was working as an lvn on an obgyn ward at a community hospital she didn't keep this job for very long though because she actually wanted to get a tubal litigation done and she had no acquired sick days so she went ahead and i guess basically just gave up the job knowing they were going to fire her if she got the surgery so she gets the surgery in october and by the end of october she's actually starting at a new job Janine got a job working at the Bexar County Hospital. This was a county hospital in the Northwest San Antonio area. She worked in the pediatric intensive care unit, which they didn't see newborns that were born at the hospital. They would go to the NICU. They actually saw anywhere from infants to 16-year-olds, mostly infants, though, but they were recovering from surgeries or they were admitted there for illness, disease, or injury. They did send the Methodist Hospital a form with questions Janine and her work performance but they never got anything back so they had no idea that Janine had like ever been fired for mistreating a patient or any anything about her now at Bexar she started on the 11 to 7 but eventually she did get her favorite shift the 3 to 11 that was her favorite shift to work worth noting everybody really liked Janine she was eager she was energetic and she was always willing to work a lot of extra shifts which is really really helpful to a struggling state hospital you see San Antonio had a really large underprivileged community to serve and they had a nurse shortage plus Janine had a real knack for putting in an IV there was no vein that she could not flawlessly stick and she was so good at this that nurses would like come seek her out specifically to put in an IV for them because Janine was so nice and radiant and positive and just a great person to kind of be around when she first started working at Vexar they kind of overlooked the fact that there was several medication errors in the PICU and There was a lot of strange things going on. So I'm going to actually break down some of the pretty serious incidents that kind of started almost immediately following Janine. There was several medication dose errors like transcribing 500 milligrams instead of 50. And then IV fluids were set to drip too quickly. Instead of draining over like 6 hours or 12 hours, they would be set to 1 hour. Okay. And we're talking about little babies, Now, the same thing was happening with oxygen machines. They would be adjusted way too high or way too low. And Janine was able to kind of pull the wool over everyone's eyes. I personally think because no one was initially dying that they thought she was probably a dumb nurse. Like she just wasn't quite to the level of nursing that she should be to be there. But they were probably going to like try and see her through that she was just herself a dumbass. Eventually, Janine began to show the real her, and she really started rubbing people the wrong way. You know, she cursed a lot. She was really abrasive. She was loud. She was insensitive, not in front of parents, only in front of her other coworkers. And this is something that, like, slowly began to show. Plus, nurses started to become suspicious about her. She would kind of guess which babies were going to get sick and what was going on and she also became really insubordinate one time she just decided she was done for the day and she was gonna leave and she like literally just left during her shift and then another time she refused to leave so she'd already worked two shifts back to back and she was trying to stay for a third when she was told no by her boss you have to go home and she just refused and they actually had to bring in a nursing administrator to like make her leave and she did another time though she came in not on her shift and she had a friend with her it was like 5 in the morning and she actually brought her friend back to the patient's rooms and was messing with their medications and when someone confronted her about being there and like what the hell she was doing she smelled of alcohol y'all so Janine, though, had made really, really good with her supervisor, Pat Belko, And so Pat never met Janine with punishment and she always defended her. So any of the medication errors that I mentioned earlier when Janine first started, she totally would take Janine at face value that everything was an accident and she would like go up to bat for her okay and then this got so bad that some of the nurses actually transferred out of the PICU because Janine was super annoying and she was never getting met with punishment for this not only that so so far Janine's kind of making smaller medication errors nothing nothing repeatedly deadly like we're gonna see later But her hypochondriac and attention-seeking behavior followed her. And I think this is a huge reason why everybody really couldn't stand her. So the first thing is that she always looked for the worst outcome in her patients and would always exaggerate how sick they were, even if they didn't even really seem that sick. And this worked really well for her new director of PICU, Dr. Robotham, because although he wasn't a hypochondriac, he really liked the idea of always being prepared for the worst case scenario and what could go wrong. He didn't anticipate the patients to actually get that sick. He was just always overly precautious. And... Janine was a hypochondriac she was not overly precautious so not only did she do that to the patients which annoyed nurses she also was admitting herself all the time and complaining so like in the first two years she admitted herself to either her hospital other hospitals or other clinics in the area over 30 times she would go for everything she went for burping constipation diarrhea chest pains heavy menstrual bleeding back pain, abdominal pain, blah, 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 blah. I mean, like everything that you could possibly ache or complain about, she did and then went to the damn emergency room. In March of 1981, she actually was admitted to the hospital that she worked at with a long list of pains and complaints that were never explained with testing. And they were actually believed to be a psychosomatic issue. Now, a psychosomatic issue is a physical illness or condition caused by a mental disorder, internal conflict, or even stress. She was ultimately released after only eight days, but in 1981, this same year, her behavior in the hospital as a nurse began escalating to Like, she would not take any boring cases. She would get to work early, sign her name by the patient that she wanted, and if she did not get her way, she would throw a big ass fit. Something she'd done her whole life. She began wanting to be around every single coding patient, and patients in the hospital, in the PICU were getting sicker and having more unexplained things happening, but they were getting worse and worse. Children were now coding at alarmingly high rates and dying in very traumatic ways. I'm going to outline some of the weird things that people were picking up on and then we'll get to some specific patients so medical staff first began noticing that Janine was always around when children got really sick or coded she also had a really weird way of not just gauging before like oh that kid looks like he's going to get really sick she became accurately predicting how sick they would get or if they would survive, even if they weren't on their deathbed, even if they were kicking and playing. There was a noticeable surge in unexplained pediatric emergencies as well, like children were having unexplained seizures and heart issues, like irregular heartbeats, cardiac arrest, cardiac arrest or issues with their blood not clotting. Children would come in for routine or minor surgeries, have no complications, and then die of cardiac arrest and no medical explanation for how that happened. It quickly became a very traumatic place to work. They had more CPR cases in 1981 than ever before. So to break it down, a typical month, you would see like four CPR cases. But in 1981, there was as many as 13 in only one month the death toll was rising too and everyone noticed it was during the 3 to 11 shift while Janine was there. Whether or not they were her patients, usually they were her patients, but regardless, she was there. They nicknamed this shift the death shift. Nurses began to notice that healthy patients would be fine until Janine showed up for her shift. And then while she was gone they would recover and be fine again it was only during the 3 to 11 that children would take an unexplainable turn for the worst very suspicious and rumors did begin to fly everyone was aware that janine was circling this rumor that she was in the eye of the storm as an accused baby killer but despite all the suspicions surrounding janine her freaking superior pat belko really liked her and she began threatening to punish other staff members if she heard any rumors or talk of janine killing or harming children dude that is crazy they kind of chalked it off that janine had more incidents to the fact that she took the sickest patients on because she was such a good nurse i mean that's gross so a nurse actually took it upon herself to look at the death records of the PICU and the deaths of the patients under Janine's care was so much higher that Pat Belko actually got with Dr. Rothaham and they decided that the information was too coincidental that they needed to investigate but they didn't 100% off the bat think it was Janine like a lot of the other staff did. Practically everybody else thought it was for sure Janine. Now I'm going to outline some of the specific patients that came in and the types of issues that would arise that were unexplainable and very traumatic. So, for example, baby Jose came into the Bexar PICU for dehydration, diarrhea, fever, and vomiting. These are normal infant illness syndromes for someone that would need to be admitted to a PICU. But on his third day, he had an unexplained seizure under Janine's care she took him for a brain scan and while he was there he actually went into cardiac arrest doctors were able to revive him but they noticed that his blood was not clotting they kept an eye on him but the clotting issue did disperse overnight remember janine leaves at 11 p.m he had no more seizures until the 3 to 11 shift where he began seizing and bleeding again This time his heart stopped at 522 and he was unrevivable. The baby died. The parents were shocked. They released baby Jose to his family to grieve where I'm sure they were going to take him to the morgue afterwards and while they were grieving the dad actually had chest pain so the whole family went to the er including baby jose who was in the arms of his brother now janine actually ran up and snatched the baby and literally took off running to the morgue where the family like ensued chasing her but they couldn't even catch up with her she actually lost them that's how fast she was running with this infant it's like Janine had to be the one to take baby Jose to the morgue she always wanted to take the kids to the morgue and she always wept in almost an overly dramatic way that kind of freaked people out another baby named Albert came into the picky for dehydration diarrhea and he actually had a chemical imbalance baby Albert was three months old, he had Down syndrome, but none of the things he came in explained why he began bleeding super heavily during Janine's shift. He too was having a blood clotting issue. Now there was so many children with this bleeding issue and doctors began to suspect that someone was actually overdosing the children with a drug called heparin. Now, the side effects of an overdose for these infant patients would be the inability of their blood to clot. They thought Janine was the one doing this, that she was filling up syringes and injecting the children with this drug. So the doctors, afraid she was going to do this again, actually decided that they were going to stand over and watch baby Albert. He was the typical patient that Janine would try to drug. They took turns staying in his room for hours and halfway through their shift they were actually summoned to check on another patient. Moments after they left baby Albert, Janine was summoning them back to the baby's room because it just so happened he was bleeding profusely without clotting. Okay just then one of the doctors drew up a medication that would counteract heparin. If they were correct The baby would survive. But if they were wrong, it would have a potentially fatal side effect that would kill baby Albert. As he was doing this, the other doctor noticed Janine with heparin ready to go. This is not right. Why would the baby need heparin? He asked her what dose she was using, and she said 333 units per cubic centimeter. Just to put it into reference, this drug calls for less than one unit per cubic centimeter she bickered with the doctors and ultimately stormed off fortunately she did not overdose his baby with heparin again and the doctor's risky call giving him the counteractive medicine saved baby albert's life now this was one of those times that janine was let off by her superiors as a simple calculation error in august of 1981 the pick you had nine cardiac arrests. In September, they had 13. In October, they had eight. These numbers were incredibly high to be brushed off as simple mistakes. The heparin overdose issues, where children were bleeding was increasing as well so what heparin overdoses does is it does cause the baby to have a seizure essentially go limp and then the baby will usually go into cardiac arrest or some type of heart and respiratory failure while every cut or wound that they have will begin to not clot so they'll first begin bleeding profusely out of those wounds and then if nurse Janine administered enough heparin they would also begin to bleed from all their mucous membranes so your mucous membranes are in your throat your mouth your eyes you know your nose and I believe your anus yeah it's getting really hectic and traumatic to work there at the time Janine actually began to lose her self-control and she was becoming more impulsive she was beginning to act like she was the head nurse not just the LVN she was barking orders leaving early if she felt like it refusing to follow orders like if they would ask her to stock the supply room she would just refuse to by the end of 1981 dr rotham gathered that there'd been 11 deaths since the summer all during the 3 to 11 something had to be done the hospital had a new administrator who was super straight-laced in military and they kind of thought he was going to take over this situation, but he took the information about Janine and did absolutely nothing with it. So it was just up to the doctors and nurses that were suspicious of Janine to keep an eye on her. And they did just that. December 8th, 11 month old baby Joshua came in. He was rescued from a fire where he got severe smoke inhalation, he was in critical condition. He had no brain damage, though, and that's good, and he looked like he was on the road to recovery. Despite this, Janine told Joshua's family that he was probably going to have brain damage so severe he'd need to be institutionalized if he recovered. She even insinuated that the baby was better off dead than alive. The following evening during her shift, Joshua took a bad turn. At 7.55, he began having an irregular heartbeat. They stabilized him at 8.20, but by 8.50, his blood pressure dropped and he went into heart failure. His death was called at 9.22. A blood sample was sent in and it actually said that the baby had two times the limit of a drug called dialatin. This was essentially an overdose and would be a toxic level to the baby. However, the information was never Reported. It was put in a file where it just sat and no one ever was notified about it. By the end of 1981, Dr. Robotham seemed to be the only one really invested in putting an end to whatever was going on in the PICU. But fortunately for Janine, he actually was temporarily relieved of his duties because he was making too big of a stink about the Janine issue, which is not good for the hospital's reputation. Here's the weird thing. So he wasn't the only person watching Janine, though. A hospital clerk knew about the whole suspicions looming around the PICU, a baby killer. And she reported that during the 3 to 11 shift, multiple reoccurring items were missing from crash carts. So a crash cart is a cart that has specific items that doctors and nurses would need to utilize for patients having coating that are crashing and dying the items that specifically were missing over and over were gauze a tourniquet needles and a ten thousand unit bottle of heparin that the problem is the administrators were not aware of the suspicions with janine see only some supervisors and administrators were aware so like the hospital clerk supervisor didn't know anything going on in the pq or about janine so it just kind of fell on deaf ears a lot There was too many people that were skeptical of the idea of a nurse who killed babies because they were too far removed to understand the gravity of the situation. It just kind of sounded ludicrous. Now, December had 11 CPRs in the PICU. Seven kids died that month. Four were direct patients of Janine, and six were at least during the 3 to 11 shift. After two investigations of the PICU and Janine, the hospital ultimately decided that they had to get rid of her, but they couldn't make too big of a stink to where she would be fired and then sue them, or essentially that the hospital's reputation would somehow be tarnished, so they decided they were going to ultimately phase out Elvian's period. And they were just going to switch to RNs for all intensive care units. The hospital did internally hire out to other departments. But when Janine was told that they didn't have any openings in the pediatric unit, she ultimately decided that she was going to resign. Thank God, right? Like, okay, we're done. We're done, right? Like, maybe she'll get a different career like she did when she quit beauty school, However, Janine actually did get another job, and she got the job by a doctor who worked at Bexar County Hospital, a pediatrician who was opening her own private practice, and felt that Janine was basically just railroaded by a male-dominated workplace and never agreed with the way that she was accused of hurting children. Yeah, yeah. She's going to go work at a pediatrician's office. What the heck? Okay. Not to play devil's advocate, but the chances of stuff like this happening to perfectly healthy children only coming into the doctor's office for referrals, sick visits, shots, checkups, and common cold, stuff like that. I bet the doctor might think, "Eh, I don't think that she was hurting kids and she definitely can't hurt kids here, right? Like I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's how this whole situation started. So... Janine always lands on her damn feet like a cat, and she began working at Dr. Kathy Holland's private practice in Kerrville, Texas, August 1982. Dr. Holland has said that she tried to hire a few other people before she chose Janine. However, when Janine had difficulty finding a place to rent there, she actually bought a home for Janine to live in and rented it out to her. She also stayed with Janine during the week when her husband was out of town. Her and Janine are described to have been really good friends. They would have morning coffee together after the kids got on the bus. They would talk and just laugh for hours. So, they began working at the new clinic. On their second day open, they got a new patient come in for a checkup, a 14-year-old baby girl named Chelsea. Now, while her mom, Petty, was filling out paperwork and discussing with Dr. Holland about Chelsea's medical history, Chelsea was fussing and wanting to grab at things all over Dr. Holland's office. So, Janine decided to take her into the waiting room while they got to talk chelsea was there just like i said for a checkup and at most she had a small case of the sniffles so after five minutes holland heard her nurse telling the baby to wake up and then hollering for dr holland janine was giving the baby an oxygen mask and she told the doctor that while they were playing the baby just slumped over and went completely limp chelsea quit breathing and she began to have a seizure holland administered an anti-seizure drip medication via iv and some workers summoned the emergency medical services or ambulance they transferred chelsea to the hospital where she recovered shortly after there was never an explanation for the sudden attack but to petty dr holland and nurse janine were heroes she was so thankful to have been at the doctor's office during chelsea's sudden attack and she raved to everybody in Kerrville about her hero pediatrician office in town and how amazing her and janine were the local sid peterson Hospital began to refer dr holland to patients everyone liked dr holland because she was friendly and she helped parents who could not afford medical care for their children baby brandy was another baby that came to dr holland she was a referral from the sid peterson hospital She went to the office because she had bloody stool and a full abdomen. While Holland was examining the girl, the parents stayed in the waiting room, which is so bizarre to me that the parents would just hand them their baby and then go sit in the waiting room. So Holland ran out, though, saying that they needed an ambulance because the baby wasn't breathing and began seizing Janine actually rode in the ambulance with the baby and Dr. Holland followed in her car because she said she got really bad car sickness in ambulances. During the drive, the baby became unstable and they had to perform CPR. Then Janine gave the baby an IV. Brandy, who was already kind of dark from poor circulation, began to grow darker and darker and then went completely limp. They took turns breathing for Brandy until they arrived at Santa Rosa Hospital, where they took over. Baby Brandy recovered in under a week, but they could not explain what made her have that really weird episode in Dr. Holland's office. This continued, children would go to the pediatrician for normal sort of routine things that kids go to the doctor for. And these strange attacks kept happening. This was very suspicious and alarming to the local hospitals I believe the local hospitals were really the only people who could and did take notice because how many moms are in the office together at the same time it's a private small practice not many so the first people to really realize was the hospital because they're the ones who kept accepting these babies over and over and over when Brandy was rushed to the ER a Pediatrician was made familiar with the situation and he actually knew Holland and Janine from Bexar Hospital. They told Holland not to let Janine travel to the hospital with patients and that if she did, they would no longer accept the patients. This was an empty threat, but the point was still made that they knew about them. They knew what the rumors were about Janine from previously and they didn't want her around. Dr. Holland has maintained that she had no idea that Janine was doing anything to kids and never suspected it, but I think that she did. After a couple weeks of operating, Labor Day weekend came. Holland said that Janine told her she was checking supplies and saw a bottle of anectine was missing. Kathy didn't think anything about it and just told Janine to order more. Despite the fact that Kathy Holland's office didn't seem to go a day without a patient having some sort of medical emergency, for four days, while Janine was in the hospital, the office was calm and quiet, and there were no emergencies. Janine returned the same day baby Chelsea was scheduled for a routine appointment with shots, and her brother Cameron was tagging along because they wanted to get him checked out. They thought he might have the flu. While Petty held Chelsea... For her shots after getting her first shot she opened her mouth to yell mama but literally no sound came out petty kind of panicked and thought chelsea wasn't breathing but janine insisted she was just reacting to the shot and quickly proceeded with the second one when she did baby chelsea quit breathing completely she turned blue and she began to seize right before she went limp as soon as she arrived at Sid peterson she was back to full color and breathing on her own again But for some reason, they had to go to another hospital after Sid Peterson. I wonder if they rejected them because Janine rode with the baby. I don't know. But they had to go to the other hospital, and Janine rode with Petty and baby Chelsea and the paramedics to Santa Rosa Hospital. But on the way, baby Chelsea's heart stopped. When they arrived at the hospital, her heart only flickered for a moment, and she was unrevivable and pronounced dead. Dr. Holland said it was very traumatic and haunted her for years because Petty did not accept that Chelsea was dead. She kept rocking her and saying that she was just asleep over and over. Petty had a really hard time dealing with Chelsea's death. In fact, she would like walk around and take out Chelsea's toys and talk to them and put them out and pick them up. It was very sad. But literally... Three hours after this traumatic event, Dr. Holland and Janine were in the office when five-month-old Jacob came in. Jacob was extremely fussy. The mom just wanted reassurance that nothing was wrong with him. Holland wasn't there, but Janine told the family that Holland said to send him to the hospital to run some tests. This was not true. She hadn't even spoken to Holland. Janine told the family to wait in the waiting room while she got a blood sample. She said nobody likes to see fussy babies, blah, blah, blah. So she went back there, and the family grew really alarmed when they heard Jacob abruptly stop crying right in the middle of of a screech. When the grandma came in, Janine was giving the baby mouth to mouth. They got Jacob to Sid Peterson at 436, where he stabilized. I mean, seriously, what are the chances of this shit happening in the same day at a doctor's office? What doctor's office does this happen to? So, on September 23rd a five-month-old named Rolinda came into St. Peterson for a code blue with none other than Janine and Dr. Holland. The baby had a breathing tube that was not necessary. This is something that Holland had gotten a reputation for doing. She was almost always putting breathing tubes down children's throats even if they didn't need it. They also said that she was really quick to medicate and treat things aggressively, even before she knew for a fact what was wrong. Now, Rolinda did not need the tube. An anesthesiologist was there, and he kind of took over. He saw that Rolinda was doing a motion with her arm that he was very familiar with. See, he said children coming off the effect of a nectine, a drug he administers and is familiar with, They sort of do an arm jerk where they're coming out of the effects of the drug and their reflex makes them want to remove their breathing tube. So it's them essentially trying to move their arm while under an anesthetic that they can't quite move yet. This is what baby Rolinda was doing. So he ordered a blood test to be done. Well, while she was being worked on, Janine actually called Mary Ann Parker, another patient of Dr. Holland's mother and she told her to bring her son to the hospital for an exam which to me is so weird but she did Mary brought her son there and while he was there he went into cardiac arrest remember this is simultaneous to Rolinda being worked on the anesthesiologist ordered a blood test on that child and he found both of them came back positive for a what okay so we finally have proof Now, the hospital got an investigator, Joe Venus, to look into Janine in Holland. He called Bexar, and Bexar informed him of all the suspicions and beliefs surrounding Janine. I mean, they straight up told him, you have the baby killer. So he told the doctor's committee, the ones that kind of formed in the Kerrville area, what he found out and confirmed the suspicion that Janine was in fact a baby killer and harming all these children at Dr. Holland's office when they confronted Dr. Holland she maintained that she in no way thought Janine was a baby killer and that she hired her because she was that good of a damn nurse the doctors reported Dr. Holland to the medical examiner board now that following Sunday on the 26th of September Janine told Kathy that she found the missing bottle of an when Kathy looked at the two bottles, she could see one was tampered with, but both looked equally full. One, the tampered with, had needle marks in it though, and she confronted Janine and Janine could not explain it. Janine suggested that they just throw it away and forget about it because she didn't really know why either that night out of pure desperation Janine had a very dramatic overdose episode right in front of Dr. Holland who responded by basically leaving her in the hands of a family practitioner that worked in a nearby suite to their office and she basically was just like I wipe my hands of this shit and when she got home that night she called the investigator Joe herself and told him about the incident and the missing medication and how it magically turned up tampered with Damn. So Dr. Holland got some sense and fired Janine. I still think Dr. Holland had something to do with it. I think she had something to do with it at Bexar. And I think that she wanted to play hero and her and Janine tamper with life and death. I think they they were just into that kind of stuff. The disgusting beans, killing children. So they begin building a case against Janine. And the Kerrville County decided to have the body of baby Chelsea exhumed. The technology to test post embalmed tissue for drugs was relatively new, but they decided they were going to use it for baby Chelsea, and she did, in fact, have the drug in her tissues. With this, they had enough evidence to charge Janine for the death of Chelsea. Meanwhile, in November of 1983, Bexar County charged Janine with injury to a child in the case of a baby named Rolando her trial began in 1984 and it was a nationwide discussion. She was ultimately sentenced to 99 years in October of 1984. Now, the jury did say had the death penalty been an option, they would have imposed it but unfortunately for the crime that she was charged with, it was not imposed until the following year and I'm sure they only changed the law because of her case. On top of the 99 years, she also got 60 years for the case that was against her in bexar county i can't believe she only got 60 years right now however with these cases not being life sentences without the possibility of parole janine was coming up for mandatory parole after only like 35 years y'all this happened in texas no good no good mama janine who goes to work as a baby killer is going to be walking around texas after 35 years okay so with the news of her mandatory release coming bexar county decided to really buckle down and dig through their records and make something stick which they delivered in 2017 she was indicted for six murders of infants Yes, in January of 2020, she actually pled guilty to her last trial where she was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. In total, it is believed that Janine is responsible for killing 60 infants during her time as an LVN. Oh my goodness, can you believe that? Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode on Storytime Podcast. I will be condensing it into a shorter, more to the point episode for those of us that have a shorter attention span or just aren't that into the psychology of the actual killer. Anyway, don't forget to give me a like and a share on social media. Tell your friends and family about Storytime Podcast. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. See y'all next week. Bye.